Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. Go, Jerry. Howdy ho, listeners. Stepped into the greatest podcast about board games that doesn't just talk about board games. This is the Board Game Snobs, and I'm the star of the show, Jerry. And is with that a, a, what a tinkle I hear in a glass over there. What? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm drinking my Metamucil. <laughs> mm. Gotta stay regular. Gotta Been stay having regular. trouble lately. Uh, me? No, I do a lot of fiber, um, uh, a lot of brand, and I drink a lot of water. So, uh, I had do you some mix guests. anything in with that Metamucil? <laughs> <laughs> Vodka and prune juice, man. You have to try it. I'm serious. Uh, no, no, no. Legitly, uh, I, I do oh. not. I do not like I, I do not like vodka at all. I think people who drink vodka are low lives. Uh, oh snap. snap! There you go. It's you called just, gin. You just insulted all the twenty-one-year-old. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a, dieting. There's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of twenty-one-year-old Russians suburban in their tracksuits right now. Really mad. Yeah, the suburban housewives. No, I just don't like vodka. Vodka just exists to make things alcoholic. Gin's what you're looking for. Well, it's, well, but, yeah, so it, well, it's like the cran. <laughs> It's like the what was it the, the the cranberry of alcoholic drinks. Yeah, uh, you got a coke, put a little vodka in it. You got an orange juice, put a little vodka in it. You got a screwdriver. Well, my dad, the only the only uh, hard liquor that he drank was really vodka, which I never could understand why. And then one day I caught him drinking concentrated prune juice and vodka and i said that you're just i I said dad you're losing your mind he's like no this is good and it cleans you out and i thought what in the world anyways i gave it a shot and it's not bad it's not bad at all (laughs) there's an old brian regan skit where he's talking about cranberry he's like man the salesman on cranberry must really be out there doing his job he's like great put a little cranberry in a cran grape banana put a cranberry in a cran banana well, cranberries, I mean, who eats cranberries? Nobody. They're disgusting. But they're in everything. They are. And they're they flavor it. They give a little tartness to everything. Just like you. And you're the host. What's your name? Gobby? That's right. Hi, this is the host, Gobby. I was thinking. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said You were thinking? <laughs> I was thinking. I was just sitting here thinking. Uh, we might ought to do like a, every now and then do a reset. What's that of mean? like, I mean, if somebody tunes in. The last time we actually described who we are, what we do, what the show's about, is probably the first episode. Yeah. I think we kind of did that, did that like maybe episode, I don't know, 20 or 30 somewhere. But just every now and then, like say, we're called the Board Game Snobs, because why? This podcast is about what? Oh, so that's what you're wanting to do. Like, I'm Gobby. I'm the uh, host of the show. The foundation, the rock that it sits on. When all else goes awry, I'll be here editing, making things right, bringing in people when Jerry can't host with me because his life is ridiculously busy. And, and I'm and, just uh, the star of the show. I'm the and you're looking, the star of the show. I'm the good I'm looking the heart. funny. I'm the, <laughs> I'm good the heart of funny the show. One. Jerry's the... Uh, the snarky one with attitude. Mm. So if we're like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, 
I'm the Leon. No, let's see. I would be. I'm a I'm mixture. More Raphael. I'm a mixture of Donatello and Leonardo. And I'm a mixture of Michelangelo and Raphael. <laughs> no, you're the you're the you're the uh, cowabunga dude. What was the pig and with I the do sunglasses? Love some pizza. Oh, you do. Love- uh, Rocksteady. Have you think? Have you? Oh yeah. Have you watched the new CGI Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Michael Bay thing? Did you watch that? I watched. I watched the first one. I haven't watched any of it, but the other day, for some reason, it was like it showed up in like my feed, like it was like my Google thing, something about it, and I looked at it and was just appalled. The the turtles look awful. It was pretty bad looking. Yeah, they they do not. They look like a horror film thing. They look like the Toxic Avenger. Do you remember the Toxic Avenger? Yes. Yeah, that's what they look like. They look like they literally, legitly look like they were just turtles that fell in Nevada acid, and that's what came out. Well, I mean, I mean, they yeah, yeah. that's what happened. So yeah. I guess that makes sense. So this this what, what, so go ahead. Okay, d- d- what what is our podcast about? Why are we called the Board Game Snobs, Jerry? Well, it's because we hate everything. We absolutely hate everything uh, about board games, except there's a few out there that are actually pretty good. And we really discourage people from buying a lot of board games. We really just want you to buy a few good ones. And that's really what this podcast is about. Plus the fact... Well, I remember you said you want to offer restraint. Yes, restraint. To the hype. I'm, I am into restraint. Uh, that sounds bad. Uh, this is a PG podcast. This is a family show. Y'all that's ha- something else you should know. This is a family show. Plus, Gobby does a lot of editing because I have a, like a minor tick where i tend to spout off some really harsh things and uh so yeah so there's heavy editing that's what this podcast is about board games and heavy editing (laughs) we should have just called it heavy editing the podcast (laughs) uh yes uh we actually wait a minute before i move on did you have banter that you wanted to use or did you want to stick to the topic are we done with the reset is that it is uh, there anything else? Maybe new listeners. Let's you know, see. we get a lot of new, new, new <laughs> nude listeners. We get a lot of nude listeners. We're uh, big in the nude colonies. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people enjoy it. And really, what do you think? If you were in a nudist colony, what board games would you be playing? There's a topic. It wouldn't be well, any. Clearly, it, it wouldn't be any dexterity games. Clearly, it's Twister. No, right. no, that's weird. That's what <laughs> you would assume. But 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 most but most of all the TV show the movies I've watched from the eighties, they played Twister. Everybody no, Twister Twister's just no. No, that's not the game they're playing. And everybody knows that nudists have transcended physical um just just they've transcended the physical, the material. They're all intellectual. So they would be playing something uh, highly refined, like Tracarion or uh, Anachrony or something like that. Can I that. ask a question? Go ahead. You're the I, host. You I mean, can ask questions. <laughs> I mean, we just started that you over. Know, let me rephrase. I'm fixing to ask a question. I'm fixing to answer. What is what? What's what's with nudist colonies? Is that just people that want to be free, uh, not constrained by clothes? I think it. I don't know. I went to I went to Mexico once and was on a beach, and stayed in a uh, resort that was adults only, which I didn't realize that at the time. <laughs> and so 
what I found I is that... I think you went onto a porn shoot. No, 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 no. This was, this was, this was like on my honeymoon. And I noticed that the... Did you hear any saxophone music in the background? <laughs> <laughs> Kenny G playing softly everywhere you go. Uh, I found that the people who engaged in nudity were... I'm trying not to offend anybody. The least physical. Let's say that they they have not been to the they had not been they were they were they had not been to the gym recently. They were yeah they were cellulite rich. I think that's the way it goes. Sometimes it's like, well, that's just the old thing. It's like you know the old movies are like, oh yeah, we're gonna go to nudist colonies, a bunch of hot people. But it's like, no, it's generally a certain like he said, uh, they're possibly older. Things not in the places they used to be. <laughs> I think I think nude beaches are a big thing in Australia. I'll put really? that out. I'll think I'll put that out there for Australian listeners. Email us at boardgamesnods at gmail dot com if that you would have be, any. Uh, let's see, Michael Langford, Troy. Haven't heard from Troy in a while. Okay, uh, I have sent our our conference link to Bubba, and he keeps asking me for it. I'm like, I've sent it. I don't know what else to do. Is Bubba trying to get on the podcast? He's oh, trying to get on the podcast. Are we but, starting uh, over to... Uh, I will engage also that Bubba is... Uh, there, wait, wait. I see a Stanley popping up. There he is. And to restart also, since we've restarted already, is that uh, Bubba is also a friend of the show, our executive producer, our dick wolf, <laughs> so to speak, of this law and order. I don't, I don't who, think so. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. We run all of our ideas past Bubba, so if you have any problems with any of the topics we talk about, you just need to write oh. Bubba. Bubba, what's your email? No, this is, he's, our, he's our HR department. <laughs> he's our HR department. Oh, man. Legal counsel. He's everything. Uh, so let's introduce Bubba. I just Since did. we've reset. He did. Again. I, oh. Okay, I'll introduce... It's, it's, it's Bubba. What else is there to know? People have heard of Bubba, but you gotta think every now and then, Jerry, we get new listeners. But everybody knows Bubba. It's it's presumptuous of you to just assume people should just come onto the show and know what's what. It, it, they it, should. I, is it the idea that they should have already listened to the other shows? Mm-hmm. Maybe I that's guess so, but lots of people, they, they listen to the one, and then they work their way backwards. Hardly anybody starts with the first episode. That's true. That was terrible. That's true. The first episode was not that bad. Although, in the very first episode, in that episode alone, Jerry, you went from loving on Mar- or first Martians to immediately... Uh, uh, redacting your statement. Yes, yes. Everybody, uh, everybody figured out right there. That's when I was really honing my skills as a board game uh, connoisseur. So, uh, all right. Well, since Bubba has just joined us, Bubba, what yes, you been yes. up to? Anything? I, Anything at all? I played board games with you guys. I mean, I did that. <laughs> I mean, is, it, is that you talking about significant things? I mean, I do a lot, but anything significant? Oh, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do that's so significant? You mean the last time you asked me, I think I, it's, you know, a little this, a little that. <laughs> 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 you know, you know, a little dabble. The vaguest of answers. A little dabble, a little spruce, you know. Uh, that's I think, those trees. Uh, uh, you really want to know something about me that's significant? I have termites in my house, uh, and that Uh-oh. has consumed me. Uh, for the last uh, week and a half, I have spent, and your wood. 
Yes, in my wood. Yeah, see? See how I use that right there? Are you so, made of wood? They're consuming they're me. They're consuming me. Uh, it, I smell of rich is mahogany. Name, is your name Kalijah? <laughs> it's a dangerous thing. You know how you have ants on you and you feel it? You see one ant and then you get ants all on you and you feel it? Feel like you have some ant disease suddenly and you're scratching everywhere? Imagine if you're yeah. anticipating that in your house. Mm, That's ant disease. Like, is that the psoriasis of the house? Yeah, psoriasis An ant of the disease? house. Isn't that a disease your dad's sister gets? <laughs> your aunt's disease, I guess so. That's <laughs> called diabetes. Can't, can't stop her. <laughs> I have the uh, aunt's disease. I just can't stop scratching it. I pause for laughter. Uh, Bubba was with us. <laughs> I got when he when when we played uh, Pan Am. Mm, mm-hmm. and so we're going to talk about Pan Am. I would like to talk about Pan Am before we move on to our topic, since we've spent literally like the first ten minutes of this podcast just rambling. I, I, uh, and I missed the whole nude the beaches point, of the show. point, by the way. Just oh, the nude beaches? Just want well, to say that. There's not I, many points on the nude beaches. Oh, okay. I, I, pulled out, I pulled out like a, a, a Seinfeld episode that I barely remembered. I remembered it, and I was very proud of myself. But other than that, we can move on. I apologize. Pan okay. Am. Pan Am. Go. A game <laughs> from the Funko people, the people who bring you Funko Pop, so you know it, you know. And that. Prospero Hall. And Prospero, Prospero. Hall. Yes. So Prospero, Prospero, Prospero. Like I was looking for a designer, like Sir, the name of the guy on it, the box, and I was like, "Is designed by Prospero Hall." I I tried to look him up. That's not a person. There is no Prospero Hall. <laughs> Mister Prospero. I thought it was Arsenio's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenio oh, wow. and Prospero. Oh wow. Uh, was that one's good? One's a late night host. One's a board game designer. Oh, wow. I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. I'm sure our listeners remember Arsenio. I'm on a biscuit. Uh, so Pan Am. Uh, it, wow, man. I uh, I know my thoughts about it. Uh, one, I'm very puzzled that it came out at Target and other places, and not like your friendly local game store kind of first. It, it, it's one of those games that kind of came out of nowhere. I hadn't heard anybody really advertising it. It wasn't on anybody's wish list. It just showed up. And the next thing I know, I'm seeing everybody on Facebook posting about it. I'm like, huh, should check this out. I'm into airlines. I like Airlines Europe. Airlines Europe is one of my favorite stock games. And uh, Pan Am, uh, I like it. I like it better. Than, <laughs> I like it better than American Airlines. <laughs> that, and that's the review. That's it right there. Man. Says it all. Pan Am. I like it. <laughs> that right there should say something. As much as I hate on board games, the fact that we're this not game, anything but if not loquacious. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, okay, okay. So if you would like for me, give me thirty seconds of uninterrupted time and I'll explain briefly what the game's about. Uh, thirty go, seconds. Let me go use the bathroom. Go use the bathroom. This. Let me everybody else just all right. okay, I'll everybody, be back. just close your Continue. eyes. Continue. Although Close me using the bathroom and your explanations are pretty much synonymous. Oh, sick burn. Sick just, burn. Just close your eyes and picture this. In Pan Am, oh, it's good. Uh, you are basically utilizing your engineers as workers, and you're placing them out on these little areas. And one, you're either putting them out on tracks where you're bidding, and it's a very similar type of building, bidding like stockpile, where if I put it out on this spot, I bid two, but if a person comes ahead of me and puts... 
uh, their little worker ahead of me outbids me, then I have to remove my worker and put him somewhere else. So that's a little bit of bidding, a little bit of worker placements. And you're either putting out airports all over the world. You're buying other aircraft. The aircraft all have certain distances that they can go. Uh, you're purchasing landing rights, little route rights. So where that, that kind of like ticket to ride connect the various areas. And at the same time, you're managing your budget. And at the end of the round, after you've all kind of bid and produced and got all your stuff and your income, you can buy stock in Pan Am. Pan Am will expand from the center of the map outward, and they'll buy routes. And hopefully, if you happen to be in their path, they'll buy your route. You get bukus of money, and maybe their stock will go up, maybe their stock will go down, but you'll end up buying as much stock, and stock is victory points in the game. That's the quick version of it. Uh, Yeah, and that little aspect of... Worker placement plus bidding plus resource management plus stock speculation uh, was really good. It was very good, actually. Uh, the player interaction was well thought out. Uh, other players building and claiming routes that you want. Other players outbidding you. Other players going where you need to go. Turn order made a difference. The scoring was very tight. Uh, all of the components are very serviceable. They're nice to look at. The rules were easy. It just all made sense. Are you done yet? I, I like it. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I came in just in time. You threw it out there. Um, well, we played it four-player. I loved it. Right? Mm-hmm. Bidding. Route claiming. Is that a mechanism? Route claiming? Yes. I guess a uh, set collection with uh, different locations. Uh, we played it four-player. Great. Played it three-player. Mm. You didn't like it? Am- you didn't like it three-player? It was good, but it. I can't. Uh, let me just say, if you go to four to three-player, I can't imagine this game at two-player. What changed? Because the... And the quality of the game is is there. It, that did not change. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying the tenseness of the bidding actions was not there from four to three. I rarely got outbid, but a few times. The, there's no, like, scaling. It doesn't scale well. Well, it does scale in the fact that when you have... When you have less players, you have more workers. You have more engineers well, to bid with. Yes. Uh, yes, that's true. But... I don't know. It just it felt different. To, it felt much different to me at three player. Give me four players over three, and at two, I guess you would have your full allotment of five workers, and that's fine. But it's like you, know, you just have more options. Can, well, can I can I propose this? You propose played, it. You played. Uh, you played this with four players, and of those four players, was one of them was Enrique, who's known for purposely getting in people's way. And the other two players were the great strategic minds of myself and Bubba. Could it be that when you played it three player, you played it with people who are, let me think of the term, basic, such as hmm, no. Mike and Crystal? Is Mike. That you played it with? Are you kidding me? Mike beats you at every game we play. That doesn't mean anything. I'll let him win because he's basic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I heard his feelings? No. When it comes to he's money so basic. and money management. Oh, please. Uh, Go ahead. I mean, it's Basic just, Mike. I don't know that. No, to me, it's just, it's not that the bidding wasn't as cutthroat for whatever reason, even though we had an extra pawn a piece, 
it's like we all just ended up going to route the routes at the bottom like the routes needed to have been scaled back or the directives directives is that what the ones on the mm-hmm. bottom was yeah and one of the they need to scale back somehow they need to have like a little thing you put over where that like with so many players these get taken away because like well i don't really want to pay two dollars more but with four players like those get taken up quicker and then you've got like i don't know it was just much different to me at three player not a whole well who won yeah a crystal ended up winning what does that say <laughs> nothing this is Says I, mean, I don't know. I'm just, it's a, I'm just asking a question. I don't know if that meant anything. I mean, that. Crystal, Crystal, hit, actually, Crystal beat uh, one at uh, the last game. She's won like the last three games we played. Oh wow! Mm, that's no, they're embarrassing. All, they're all about it. Oh, they're yeah, like yeah, serious yeah. gamers. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, my my personal enjoyment with the. I don't now. I, I don't know if it's the company I kept or what, but my personal enjoyment from four player to three player went down. Quite a bit. You came in last again, didn't you? All right, moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, but seriously, seriously, Pan Am. Seriously. The things that I like about it. So uh, I'll, I'll give I'll give Gobby that caveat that perhaps this game plays better at four than three. Well, it's a bidding game. Most bidding games are better at the highest player count well, possible. Well, okay. So I, it's not a true... It's not a straightforward bidding game. It mm-hmm. is a place your worker all higher on the track. You pay more to remove this worker. So it's kind of like this bump out mechanic where you're willing to pay more to go to that spot. Oh, the old Vital Lacerda bump out. Uh, no, not really. Because Vital <laughs> just bumps you out. Um, so with that, that bidding is part of the in- player interaction. And it's how much are you willing to pay for this spot. And so throughout our game, the four player game, there are several times where somebody would just max out the bid because they desperately need that spot for their plan. And that coupled with the management of upgrading your planes or buying new planes, going here, getting routes, going here and getting more money. All of that was very, you had to manage that very very well and i enjoyed that because you're juggling all this and i never felt like out of the seven rounds we played i never felt like i had it all in the bag like i I got to do what i sort of wanted to do but it always left me hanging like i wish i had one more worker i wish i had you know you you had to really think out what you were doing yeah you, you always had that feel to it and 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 again, it sounds like to me, Gobby, that the people that you're playing with weren't really all about driving up the price. Because you know if you play with me, Bubba, and Enrique, we're going to drive up the prices on you on any bidding game. Bidding is our thing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably true. Because it's like, they want something cheap. Like, they want the best bang for their buck. So, and and they tend to play that way. So, like, if I would outbid them, they would just go to another free spot. Mm, mm-mm. But that's but that's part of the gameplay. Is that that's what becomes available. That's what I'm saying. That's what becomes available in a three player game, and especially in a two player game. Like I just i I want to play this two player just to see because I I honestly don't don't get me wrong. This may sound like negative on my part. I love this game. It was great, even at three player. I loved it. But at two-player, I would be really interested to see. I mean, it would just be a nonstop back and forth, and it would just be that interesting to me. Mm. Well, I wouldn't think. I, I, think that's a, that, I think that's a good critique. Bubba, what do you think? 
Um, I like the game. I was sitting here remembering. That's the one that I almost won in. So I think you, I beat you by one point. Even by one point, I think that's on Bubba's gravestone. I almost, won. I almost won uh, by 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 the hair of my chinny chin chin. Um, if I think at first the only thing I didn't like about it is I didn't understand when we started playing the game how the Pan Am worked uh, when it came to like how it would um how the airline would buy the routes out. I didn't know it started from two, one or two central points and then came out. Of course, after the first t- the turn, I understood immediately what it is. But I had started to build routes, you know, that was going to be at the very end of that chain. And that would that made a difference. And so um, I only won that game or I only came up in that game at the very end of it because I had done it. But it doesn't lend itself to a long term play. Like I can't say, oh, I'm going to play this, you know, I'm going to max out in the last two rounds very very difficult to do that but other than that i I had a blast with the game i thought it was neat along those lines uh of course did you mention in your explanation that the uh the uh event cards there's like multiples of each stage because we were the one we the one we had like very very the stock stayed super low the whole time the one me and mike and crystal had the stocks literally went up every turn on the last turn. It was maxed out. Oh, wow. So it was complete. Like I think crystal one with like 12 stocks. Yeah. Oh man. And y'all had 30 at the end of ours. Yeah. So yeah. significant gameplay difference among those event cards, which is good. I, I, and I will say this. I don't like event cards in games. Like most of the time, that's just randomness tacked onto a game. But in this game, the randomness these event cards what provide it. you, yeah, it it does. So so all these this various deck that you you, you shuffle what out, flies it. it makes the the stock go up or down, fluctuates between prices, but also determines how many times Pan Am will expand, and so it changes the strategy. And even in the expansion of Pan Am, you roll this dice, and on that dice are depicted certain uh, airline routes, and that's the direction that they go. And so in our four player game. I just happened to build all around Miami, which is where Pan Am starts out with. Everybody else kind of went to Asia and Europe and built. I was forced to go down to South America and make routes, and lo and behold, that's where Pan Am expanded to. And then, it, it, there, so there's randomness there. In our game, it went south and west. What what direction did it go in your three-player game, Gobby? Do you recall? Uh, it went... Uh, it actually went... West and north, so like see, towards Europe. So, see, yeah. so I like yeah. the fact that the game is that variable. Like you don't know what the stock prices are going to be. You don't know if it's going to stay down. You don't know if it's going to go up. Uh, you have no clue really what's going to take place. So the board is the same, but the direction for whence this little monster that is Pan-American expands out is different each game. And I just find is that what that AM the- stands for? American? I Pan think American. it is, isn't it, Bubba? Pretty sure. Bubba what does know. Pan stand for? Uh, uh, Peter Pan. Peter Pan is American. He's from Never Neverland. Yeah, Pan American Air World Airways is what it stands World for. Airways, yeah. Never Neverland, USA. That's where Michael Jackson lived too. <laughs> Please don't bring Michael into this. <laughs> so, speaking of which, I think wait. that Pan. Wait, just a second. Are you I looking had a at it? Oh, okay. No, I had a thought. I'm trying to think of what it was exactly. Was it about Michael Jackson or was it about Pan Am? No, it was about Pan Am, actually. Mm. Oh, this is a game. <laughs> and I, okay, Jerry, I know your pain. 
when I explain a game, oftentimes I will bring up a point and then six rounds in, they declare I never brought up that point. And I'm <laughs> right. like, no, I brought it up. Believe me, I brought it up. So Crystal was like, see, when you were explaining the game, I didn't really understand. She said, you you said something like to stay away from Miami. I said, no, you may not want to build an airport near Miami because very soon it will become obsolete, right? I mean, you mm. want to place your airport in a spot where you can expand from that airport. But if you build it too close to where Pan Am's going to spread from, then after a couple plays, that airport becomes obsolete because that is where your flight paths go from. Mm. Sound, sound advice. Sound advice. Right. So uh, in this game, and this game is interesting because as opposed to Airlines Europe, as like you're wanting you're wanting to put planes all over the map or in most route building games where you're wanting to get your stuff out on the board like my colored my, like my orange planes I want to see, I want to see orange planes all over the map you might want that for a little bit but ultimately you don't want that because you want Pan Am to take over your orange planes and send them back to you giving you your money's worth and that's an interesting concept to me that sell back uh device mechanism whatever you want to call it I, I i thought about that after we played it and so just to give the listeners a thought is that when you build a route whatever the distance of that route whether it's one two three or four that's how much money it generates for you in the income round one two three or four dollars and so if pan am buys that route depending on whether it's a one two or three or four route you get a lot of money you get more than than what it generates each round but there is some strategy in building a large route away from Pan Am so you have a steady income guaranteed for several turns, for several rounds. Uh, unlike in, in my strategy, the first game we played, I tend to follow Pan Am. Pan Am was right behind me. I kept building routes out in front of it, and they were buying up. So I was getting an influx of cash suddenly, but my income each round was very low compared to the other players. And so everybody Bubba. else was every yeah, everybody else was getting ten, twenty dollars around and I'm just everybody but five. Me. Yeah. No, well, no yeah, I, I got mean, zero. I spent my money. I was remember I was broke. And I was like, there has to be some mechanism by which I can still make money and I'm broke. Remember that when I started out? Because I bought Well the first yeah the first round Bubba went broke and, yeah, I went and broke couldn't figure out. I bought what's a going lot on. of planes and I and I was like there has to be some mechanism by which I can, you know, recover <laughs> And, and I'm nobody broke. was nobody was wanting to get on the plane run by Bubba Airways. I mean, <laughs> you know, but after making a while, these making these uh, unusual runs to Colombia. <laughs> hey yes. man, hey man, you know what I'm saying? I, I thought it was smart. I almost won. They but. need to make like the dark web of Pan Am. Like you're making runs to Colombia, Miami, Chicago, Chicago. Oh, really? Chicago. Well, okay. Moving on, <laughs> moving on. I, I, I realized I didn't want to explain that. <laughs> what? What's in Chicago? Moving on. <laughs> so, so, anyways, but but I I will say this: you're smuggling love, in uh baseball players. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Cubs. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I love American uh, Airlines Europe. It's one of my I love favorite. American. I love American. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, I mean, that's basically what turns out to do you like this european airline game or do you like this american airline game and i gotta say that airlines europe is a great next step game 
it's one of those games that when you first start, you like Ticket to Ride, go Airlines Europe next. You like Airlines Europe, go Pan Am next. Pan Am is a next step up, and Pan Am to me is a much better game. It's more engaging, and I think I I don't want to say it killed Airlines Europe for me because I'd I'd have to play them back to back. Because there is the stocks in Airlines Europe that I'm always interested in. I'm always worried that somebody's going to get the stock I need or want. Yeah, Airline Europe has that. I keep calling it Airlines Europe. You can tell I'm from the South. Uh, has that not nice little stock mechanic of the stocks in your hand and then having to play those stocks out front and, and kind of speculating on what somebody else is doing. I do like that. Uh, but yeah, Pan, Pan Am, if your group enjoys bidding and even the least bit of route building, I must say that Pan Am, it was a shock for me. And it, it's one of the better games I've played this year. It, it is a, a nice, a it's very good. nice production. It's really good. Yeah. The hype around right. it, what little hype there is, is is legitimate. I think it's, it's starting to get out there on uh, on uh, social media, from what I can see. So it's it's a go for me. Yes, it was, Bubba. It was it was a warm ocean on a cold night. It was dead. I don't. Oh. What about a cold ocean on a warm night? No, that sucks. Because then you swimming <laughs> in the cold. You don't want that. Iceberg right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it was it was good. I hadn't played a game with a lot of people in a very long time, and it was a, it was it was it was very nice. Um, it was very nice playing. I, I liked it. Yeah, I, I truly enjoyed it. I can play it again. So there's our there's our ramblings about Pan Am. Booyah. Uh, gonna go on to our topic that Gabby ham fistedly come up with. <laughs> Which he posted in our fo- yeah 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 your topic regarding uh, what makes a classic. Have you already forgot that? Oh, we're going to that now. Yeah, okay. we're going, yeah, going we'll talk right. about that now. Second, I, okay. okay, I'm ready, bro. Yeah, okay, hey, but before you go there, before you go there, uh, okay, I won't go there. What? Before you go, I said before you go there. Did you know there are computers for the Amish, which have no internet, videos, or music? Or from what I can tell, as far as the Amish are concerned, electricity. Are those those little things that you stick, like those little kaleidoscope things that you stick the little rails in, like when you're kids, the little binocular-looking things? What are they? I don't know. It's like computers for the Amish. So basically, somebody just developed a scam to give their broken computer to the Amish. Like, here you go. There's no such thing. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. Okay. Who who says this? Bestlifeonline.com. It says Amish people tend to reject modern ways, but despite that, there is still a computer made specifically for the tech-weary group. I didn't think they were tech-weary. I thought they just didn't accept it at all. The key selling point, perhaps not surprisingly, is all the things the computer doesn't do, according to NPR. That's a legit source. No internet, no video, no music. If you don't have no video, how can you see what's on the screen? Isn't that a video screen? No, I think they mean like it can't. It doesn't have like a video codec, so it can't like play video. So if you they're not zooming, you can't upload. Yeah, you can't upload something and then play a video on it. It says uh, in general, the Amish are more willing to adopt new technology if they justify it for business reasons and they can keep it out of the home. Keep it out of the home. So it's basically like a calculator in their barn. (laughs) (laughs) Well. I think I think they use it for like oh, word processing God. stuff and all that. Like, that's right. so they have a printer and that's all that. Right. Yeah, but yeah, they don't keep it in the home. <laughs> I, it's weird. But they don't keep it in the home. But I shouldn't say it's weird. Sne- 
<laughs> Bartholomew is sneaking out to the barn reading Fifty Shades of Grey on the little eight bit computer screen. Yeah, that's exactly right. The Amish computer. Even, even Ezekiel said I was losing my mind. <laughs> please don't be doing word out Yankovic. Please, please don't. Okay. Do <laughs> I don't know if that that's like all the, the banter I, like I can handle from that. You I just like that save the rest of your banter. Save the rest of your Did banter. Did you know clams have feet? Yes, they do. And they're cold. <laughs> get it? They're clammy. Uh, <laughs> that's why none of them get married. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gabby asked the question, what, what's the newest board game you would call a classic? I'm sorry, I'm still laughing oh, about that. Oh, that was the topic. Thing. I thought it was just what <laughs> makes it a classic. Yeah, well, that's what I that's I thought that myself. I kind of put a spin on it. What makes it a okay. classic? He, he asked, "How long does it have to be, it be for the classic moniker?" So, when I got to thinking about classic games, uh, Frankie of the North, of course, commented that it would be Lords of Vegas, and I would tend to agree with him. Uh, but I, does the age of the game? Does a game have to have staying power? I, I, I threw out that I would consider it. If a game is around for 10 years or more, then it can be called a classic if it's still relevant. And that's just my own opinion on that. I, I, it, this is really so subjective because people call Catan well, a classic. I think that's the thing. When it comes to, I believe when it comes to board gaming, it's probably subjective because I was looking up cars. Like with cars, at least according to Google, there's kind of a hard date. Like it's like 20 years, it's a classic uh, so many years, it's vintage. So many years past that, it's like classified as antique. So there's like a set date, apparently, in years. But as far as board games, it's, it's it can't be years gone by. It's a classic. I mean, there's some games like that, like Monopoly. I mean, it's a classic, even though gamers such as ourselves and most hobby gamers... We don't like Monopoly. Uh, yeah, but I but, would. I but would. That doesn't. That doesn't keep it from being a classic. But mm. you know what I'm saying. So, mm. so, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not proposing that a game just because it's old is thus a classic. I'm saying that right. if the game is old and still relevant, and I I put the time of ten years. If a game after it goes past ten years, if it is still relevant, if it's still actively well, being played, then it's a. But classic. let me put this on you then. Okay, put it Can on. Can I me. lay this on you? Go let ahead. me lay some games on you that have been since then. Okay, some games. Castles some of Burgundy. It's a classic. Nobody would argue. Two thousand, two thousand eleven, nine years. Okay, well, it will be a classic in a year. Viticulture. Hmm. It's not not a classic. You don't think so? Not, 2015. By 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 the by the strict definition of okay, this is this is you call this the Jerry Baker rule. It's got to be older than ten years. The Jerry Baker law. But that's what I'm saying. But that but that's my, what I'm saying. This is according to you. I know. But here's the thing: where did the car industry come up with these dates that you Googled them from? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. What happened was is some guy somewhere set a rule, and that became an industry standard. It always begins with somebody yelling out loud, this is what I think, and this is the rule that so I go by. So are you saying then Castles of Burgundy, because it's nine years and not ten, is therefore not a classic? Yes. I'm, I'm saying that. I would think you're incorrect. Why? I think if you boil it down, I will bypass everything else I was going to say and then get back to it. I will, I will say if you boil it down, it comes down to mass public perception 
If enough people in the hobby say it to be so, it can be so. Or if the lead personalities in the hobby have declared it so, people will just follow that. Mm. Castles of Burgundy is everywhere. Everyone claims it's like the best failed, the basic failed, the intro failed. Okay. Uh, it's it, Everyone agrees on Castles of Burgundy. Oh, it's a classic. Okay. Can I, can I, can I? And I'll argue your point here, and here's why it's dangerous. This is why you have to have a timeline. You have to have a fixed date, much like the car industry, that says if a game stays relevant for X many years, it is thus considered a classic. So using your example, Castles of Burgundy, it's nine years old. Who is to say that this year a game is released, maybe by Stefan Feld, maybe by somebody else, that does everything that Castles, Castles of Burgundy does better and kills it. Like literally no, all the classic people. You can't use that, though. What do you mean? Why can't I use that? That's not a uh, barometer because what game has. Take. Okay. Exa- oh, take this. Catan. Okay. Classic. We would all agree Catan is probably the classic, right? Right. Right. What did we, what did we just say? In an up for our next podcast, what do we just say about Ragusa? Uh, I, I would say I- it's better than Catan. Right. Does that mean Catan is therefore not a classic anymore? No, but it hasn't been. It hasn't. Nobody is stopping playing Catan to play Ragusa. I am. I know. I haven't but played Catan main- in years. But. Because I've found games better. That doesn't mean it's still not a classic. Mm. Well, you haven't you haven't played Wicked. You haven't played Monopoly. I mean, that's the. I mean, well, here and you're years. making my point. Yes. No, no, no. I don't think you understand. There are tournaments of Settlers of Catan. There have been tens of millions of copies of Settlers of Catan played. Just because you have not played it in so many years is not discounted as a classic. My point being is. If a game is relevant after a certain point of time to which that it is no longer printed or no longer actively played or there is no longer a community, then it is not a classic. I would argue that when Castles of Burgundy hits its 10-year mark, people will still be playing Castles of Burgundy. I think people will still be playing Castles of Burgundy for quite some time because it is very much considered to be a classic, just like Catan, just like many other games. What I'm saying is, is that a few years back, I think many of the industry would declare several games to be classic for which nobody plays right now. That uh, they have Splendor. Uh, I think Splendor, I th- and here's the deal. This is why this needs to be decided and agreed upon by <laughs> by the industry standards. So here, here's the thing. I would argue that by the time Splendor, Splendor is like, what, four years old? Yeah. Uh, by the time that Splendor, ha- uh, 2014, Splendor. 2014. So, yes. Six years old. So I, I, would, I would argue that by the time it rolls around 10 years old, you can look back and see, is peop- are people still playing Splendor? Is it still being produced? Is it still being sold? Is it still something that people are actively in the community talking about? Thus, it is either going to be one of two things. Much like with movies, you have classics, and then you have cult classics. You have shows that yeah. are not popular, but still have a cult following. 
Splendor will have a cult following just because of the poker chips. And because there are just people with weak bloodlines that need an easy game to play. <laughs> they like them chips. They like them chips. Are you not saying, though, that essentially it comes down to a popular... I don't like anybody phrasing the word classic in terms of longevity or length of time. Here's why I say that. Classic... Oh, snap. Classic. Finally, an opposing viewpoint to Jerry. Well, no, it, and, and I'm not trying to have one just to have one. I'll say this. <laughs> no, I'll say this. no I'll do say it, this. Bubba. Go. Classic You're on my side. It's classic because it, it is a defining, it's the highest, you know, quality in that category. So that's why, I like, and I'll use the analogy, not of cars, um, because I, I think that if you really look at it, classic, and they started to differentiate that only because of value and people want to buy things and so forth and so on. So it was, it was a monetary value to that. Classic is more along the lines of books and novels. Uh, a novel can be a classic, though it may be unpopular or it may not be popular anymore, but it's a classic because it started a new genre or did something significant within a genre that was that was just mind-blowing. So if you think like crime novels, crime novels, we... <laughs> Crime novels did not exist until a guy started writing about another guy named Sherlock Holmes. And that started a whole new genre of mystery. You have uh, this um, trans- transcendentalism that Faulkner wrote about. It changed the way people thought of writing about nature and connecting it back with human beings. It was the first of its kind. So it was classic in that it was the first or it heightened something different. So when I think of classic in terms of board games, I think what is a classic board game that made other board games possible or made such an impact that it changed uh, a mechanism or a thought process or how people saw a game. So like you could say Sellers of Catan was a classic. Now, I'm not saying that it is. I think that it is. But because it it, it was apparently it did something that brought a lot of people to the board game arena. So what did it do? Well, that makes it a classic. So that's how I think of it. I, a classic could be something that's made now. Could be something forty years ago. I just bought a board game online, um, uh, Axes and Allies, because uh, mm-hmm. I'm told that it was a classic because it had something different about. It. It's a war game. How many war games are there? I don't know why it's a classic, but that's what I was reading that it was. So I, I purchased it. So it's it's um that's what I would say. I wouldn't. I, I don't quantify things by time because. Somebody could write the new great American novel that is a classic today and it truly changes everything. And it is a classic. But you want to use books as an analogy. That's my analogy. When Kill Mockingbird came out, it was an instant classic, even though it, it was brand new. Um, I mean, you can keep going on and on of, of examples of that. So that's just me. I could be wrong. I don't think in terms of, of, of time, though. That's just me. I think well, in terms think of quality. That's what I, I, I went in the process of looking up what makes things classics. Books was one of the things that popped up. And this one writer was like, are classics defined by the ability to stand the test of time? Or is it about less about time and more about just the sheer number of people playing the game? Yeah, I think so. The quality could be lacking. So you could say uh, relate that to you could relate to movies, too. But there are some movies considered classics that by critics and even the audience were like, yeah, that was dumb. It was poorly made, but we still enjoy it. Uh, dude, where's my car? Whatever. <laughs> I mean, Apple Dumpling Game. There's lots of things. Don't that are like, be knocking yeah, Apple Dumpling. Dumb. <laughs> I mean, the Bible, the Bible is a classic. 
but no, I mean, how many yes. people actually read it? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it is a classic. Well, I mean, it's a classic by any definition, but ask the question, why is it classic? Well, it's super popular. But nobody, I mean, not nobody, but a lot of people in the world I just mean, don't it's read like it. The number one selling it's book. It's the of number all one time. selling book of all time. And yet, ask people how many people have sat down and read it completely. So, well, true. My, but, uh, I mean, that goes, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Twilight. Go to Twilight. Like, that's probably one of the most massive books of all time. Yeah. So, that probably, it probably had more eyes on that book than many other, even classics. I am so but does team that make Edward. Twilight a classic. Well, then you get into he's gorgeous. Then you get into the 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 problem you get in with with. But to prove, I'll say this on Jerry's point. Sometimes, oh man, a board game can be a classic board game and yet not be promoted well, not be have very few printings, uh, so forth and so on, and it still be a classic. And that means that people may not have heard of it. A lot of people may not play it, but it could still potentially be a classic uh, simply because. It came out so long ago and it's age and it's still there, still around. So if you have a board game that got very little production, got very little fanfare, and yet was a hit board game and is still surviving to this day, maybe still without fanfare, maybe still without a lot of promotion, wouldn't that be a classic though? Because it's still surviving. So I don't know. Something to think about. Uh, I'd, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to give a bit on my standpoint here because I think I may have been. What we're talking about in terms of, I think, yeah, just edit everything else out I said. I think what Bubba's point is, and I think what I think this clarifies very well what people might think when they say classic. It's it's really a battle of definitions. Yes. So from Bubba's standpoint, a classic is something that influences the industry, it doesn't matter if it sold 10 copies or 10 million. If it caused the industry to shake things up, it's a classic. It's impact on the actual industry. Uh, My standpoint of a classic is a game. What about my standpoint? Is relevant. You didn't have one. I I have no clue what you you. Oh, Bubba gets on here. You instantly leave me behind for Bubba. Uh, As always. I see how it is. New phone. Who dis? No, I'm just saying is that your standpoint was basically if everybody likes it, it's a classic. Am I not? If I if I were to encapsulate, oh, well, I said I said what it boils down to is yes, it, it you have to, it's the public. The public okay, will decide okay. if Which is, enough uh, people yes. say it's a classic. So it's let me, a classic. Let me, yeah, let me reword know. that for you. If the, if the uneducated say. mob decides that this is a classic game, then yeah, then yeah. Uh, so so by your standpoint, let me list some games for you that sold very well that would be a classic for which you hate. So uh, Wasteland Express Delivery Service is a classic. Uh, let's see what no, else. No, no, I didn't say sold very classic. well. That was that was no, no. I didn't no, say no, sold very well. well. I'm saying by, by the critics, by the critics, by the classic, by the critics. That is the classic pickup no. and delivery game. It is the no, pinnacle I'm of talking pickup. about people literally saying this game is a classic. Terra Mystica. Would you call that a classic? So you're so see, you're just getting you're getting bogged down into terms, which you, that you're just. I'm saying. getting bogged down by semantics, actual semantics. Yes, and that's, if enough people call Castles of Burgundy is a classic because of what it does, 
who it's made by, everybody that plays it likes it. Enough people call it a classic. No. I'm not saying no, no, so no, no, well. No, no, Otherwise, no. Uno would be the number one no, game of all no, time. No, 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 no. You said that if Uno the people in the industry, if the people in the industry call it a classic, you you, you have yes. to competing. Who? You have nobody to nobody compete. called Wasteland Express a classic when it first came out. That's dumb. Well, nobody called nobody Castle. Nobody called Castles of Burgundy a classic when it first came out either. It, I know that, but what took, did most people it call it took, now? Nine years later, I know. If you'd quit interrupting me, I tell you, it takes time. <laughs> it takes time, which was to my. But argument. it's only nine years, not ten. I'm just saying. My point being, with Bubba's Bubba's point being, is that a game that is classic, how does it affect the industry? So I would say that to my point, what I was thinking of a classic was more along the lines of its relevance over a period of time. I, might, I would actually say that my misuse of the word classic is more about Hall of Fame. It's more okay. of, is this game able to, and I don't think that's what people mean when they call it a classic. They're, they're thinking of a game that truly has, and I think that's the definition that we have to clarify. Uh, there are many games that, using Bubba's definition of classic, something that affected the industry, Splendor would be a classic because it did affect the industry. Look what Century Spice Road went out and did three times in a row. Look, look what many games tried to emulate off Splendor. Uh, you, you can take several games that were instant classics because right after them, everybody came out. I mean, just look here recently with Welcome to. The first rolling ride that we had for a long time, Welcome to, opened the floodgates to all these horrible rolling right games that we're going to have to put up with for quite some time. <laughs> so, I mean, by that definition, Welcome to affected the industry in such a way that it is, by definition, according to Bubba, a classic. And I would agree with that. I think I'd have to adjust my term to be when a game has stayed relevant for 10 years or more, it's a Hall of Fame classic, so to speak. It's something that has held its own for that long. Well, I would just say I agree with Bubba. In this, uh, those games, yes, those are, of course, classics. But that goes along with my thing of the public perception. Terra Mystica, that's a classic of board gaming. That's a classic, quote-unquote, Heavy, heavy style Euro. Right. Everybody refers to Terra Mystica. Robinson Crusoe, 2012. That's when that came out. Eight years ago, not mm-hmm. 10. That's a classic solo game, according uh, to most people. No. Uh, see, this is where you're getting. This is where you're. This is where you're. Lords of Waterdeep, 2012. The, one of the classic wor- worker placement games, 2012. Eight years ago, uh, I'm not it's not ten. You're, you're making people. Lords of Waterdeep is every time you mention worker placement. Lords of Waterdeep is one of the top, if not the top one mentioned in that genre. Right, so, but is it- so? Could you say? Could you say this? I, let's say somebody just started playing board games five years ago. Another person ten years ago. Another person fifteen. Another twenty. And if you ask them. Man, what is this classic worker placement game that like, man, you think of every time? I think if you if you could say if each one can say, oh, this, 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 and say the same thing and that be consistent throughout all those years, 
I, I would call that a classic if you want to use time as a measurement for that. Or because popularity is a thing. Popularity may last five years. Popularity is generational. So for the last 10 years, that's one generation. So this one generation may absolutely love this game, but does it transcend to the next generation or the generation prior? Then I would give it more credence of being a classic game. Not, I'm not denying that it may be classic for our time period. I think it's a valid point, Gabby. I'm just saying, um, if you want to be a sustained classic over a period of time, classic over a period of time, if you want to use time as a measure, it means it has to have a sustaining power and be that way to each generation of them going, dude, that's the game to play right there. 20 years ago, game to play. Five years ago, game to play. That's me. Could be wrong. What well, do I know? I, I think in most terms, th- that's true. But like, I mean, things as you come into the hobby, you're going to stop playing certain games. When I came into the hobby, my first game was Catan. And I came into the hobby relatively late, like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. It's not a hobby for me. It's still a kind of, style. It's still kind of popular. <laughs> but now I haven't played Catan in years. I, yeah. That doesn't mean I don't recognize it. Lords of Waterdeep is a classic to most people. They play it as a, a break-in worker placement type game. Uh, Andrew and Andrew Android Netrunner 2012 CCG. There was Magic the Gathering. There was Android Netrunner. Okay, yeah. So, so what do you? What, I, I don't understand your point. I mean, yeah. You, I'm you, telling you, your definition of setting a time <laughs> marker on it does not apply. I'm saying oh, that okay. every other industry does it. Yeah. Sure. And so, well, okay. You're, you, so you're, 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 you can't compare one industry to the next. Yeah. Board uh, okay. Let me know. No, ga- no. Board gaming is a hobby of hotness and for you to last even a few years is amazing okay so, let so me board game years like dog years yes I, exactly I, I think i i think that the hobby as a whole would be served better if it was not thus mm, why i am a snob and thus why every other industry such as the rock hall of fame 25 years such as classical cars such as all of these things classical are are marks of the industry maturing and going for something so what to tr- governing body in board gaming is going to declare what defines the years whatever behind classics that's what's the, that's what you're asking to happen then you're asking for some sort of governing body in board gaming whether it be board game geek or the dice tower whoever the biggest people are to form a people and say okay this is what we're going to define as a classic. Da 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 da. Right, which is how every industry does it. You have a group of experts, not the mob of who have these goldfish level attention spans, <laughs> for which they go out and they say this game has obviously influenced the industry. This game came out. We started making board games like this game that sold very well when we emulated these mechanics. This game caused this. And by the way, this game is X many years old. I'm not saying it has to be 10. I'm just using that as a, as a metric of saying this is how long this game's been out. And even to a degree, it's still relevant. I mean, look at Stone Age. The Stone Age Anniversary Edition came out. People bought it. Stone Age is still a relevant game. It didn't, by all rights, many people will call it a classic. Now, has that game been killed? Very much so. I'm saying is, 
without. Can I give you another example. You've you've given so many. I, I don't I don't. Need Let me any. give you another one. Okay. The year two thousand fifteen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Pandemic Legacy season one. Right. Kicked off this whole legacy thing. Yeah, and it's a classic. Five years ago. And, and no, no, so no you're this mis- is what I'm saying. You're trying to put a year on it of ten years. I'm not trying to put a year on it. You're, you're completely you're saying, mis- you're completely okay, no, missing well, the hold point. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So then you're saying you think someone should put a year on it? Here's what I'm saying, and everything I'm Tell about to you, say. Okay, but go ahead. before before you go on. Five years ago, pandemic legacy season one. I would say that's a classic because it triggered this whole legacy thing. Right. Code names, 2015. Okay. Time stories. But here's Seven Wonders here's, Duel. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that you're not considering, that you're absolutely not considering. What does it take to be able to evaluate something's effect on the industry? What's the one thing it takes? If it's replicated. And which takes time. It's true. So in 2015, nobody. Nobody called Pandemic Legacy a classic. Now, five years out, we're already looking back and going, look how many legacy games have come out in just that short period of time. It's obvious that this game is probably going to be a classic. Yeah, it's a classic by this standpoint. We can see, however, that there are some games that take a little longer to really catch on. I would say that when you have games such as, oh, like... like Wingspan. Like Wingspan. So is is Wingspan a classic? I wouldn't say well, it that's is. Why, that was my next question. Is Can there be an instant classic? No. By this well, definition, by, by both definitions that we have here, by Bubba's definition and by my definition, no, there is no such I thing agree. as an instant so, classic. I agree. No, so no, you don't. You don't so agree. You, you, spent, the know, last, do you agree. spent the last 30 minutes arguing the fact that if well, the mob says it's a classic and enough people say it's a classic, then it's a classic. Bubba started off by saying you have to be able to tell whether or not it's influential. I started off by saying, is it relevant? Each of these things takes time. There is no such thing as an instant classic, no matter what the industry says. Well, I'll say this, which I I agree with with you 99.8%. The only reason why I say that is this. At times, there is always an exception. And then I'll use a bad analogy, and I know it's bad because it's a sports analogy. But you have someone We're going like back a, to Twilight. Go I know, ahead. like a Dr. J or a or a, a LeBron James or LeBron James or, or a critical one, classic or a critical one. A Michael He's still Jordan. playing because when they came into the league, their first year coming, especially Michael Jordan, he changed fundamentally how basketball was played. His first year in the league, first year in the league, about. he changed how the game was played. He was phenomenal. I mean, like he literally connected the generation of old. To the new people still play the way he plays basketball, his style. Kobe Bryant replicates that. LeBron James didn't get to be what LeBron James is until he added to his game like Michael Jordan. And, and Michael's been retired for years. So 99.8% of the time, I, I agree with you. I think it is possible to create a game that creates a sea change almost immediately when it comes out. Ha- has that happened yet? I don't know. Uh, will it happen? Uh, maybe, maybe so. There, there, there is that possibility that a game could come out and on day one be a significant sea change, uh, in the industry. And then, and that, in my respects, that would be a classic. 
But as I said, that is a rarity. 99.8% of the time, you need a little bit of time to figure that out. That's me. Well, each year, along those lines, I would say each year, I say each year, I, I hadn't really been paying attention to it that long since we're doing a <laughs> podcast, three years in a row, <laughs> uh, since we started this podcast, I would say like the number one game when we first started was probably Pandemic Legacy, right? Mm. Right. After that, Gloomhaven sweeps the awards. Everybody's talking about it. Ranked number one on BGG. This year, Wingspan sweeps the awards. Everybody's talking about it. I don't uh, It's ranked number 20 on BGG right now. There's always a standout game that possibly every year, and it can be called an instant classic, and years down the road, people are talking about it right now. Years down the road, it may... St- it may hold up to that actuality, but I mean, obviously we don't know in 10 years, are we still going to be talking about wingspan? We don't know, but for the moment they are instant classics to some people. I would say that's all I would allow that because pandemic legacy season one, it's still high in the rankings. People still talk about it. I don't know why I don't like it. Gloomhaven it's nonstop. It was only like, what, two years ago? I mean, it's just an onslaught of Gloomhaven stuff. And now Wingspan's the new darling. Well, and I, you're, and I think that you're, you're conflating the two terms, though. Just because something is hot right now does not make it a classic. People saying something is a classic does not make it a classic. I'm not talking about just general hotness. There's lots of games that are hot. I'm talking about these games that are like the cream of the crop of that year. And I'm I'm saying that. I'm saying that just because a game is popular, that just because a game has sold the most copies does not make it a classic. As as Bubba was talking about how it affects the industry, how how does this game actually cause the industry to make changes in its either its design or production? I would argue that you put out two two good examples. Uh, one being well, actually three good examples: Gloomhaven, Pandemic Legacy, and and Wingspan. Pandemic Legacy showed us that people will tear up a board game. It shows that people enjoy a continuing story. And so in, in that in that realm, by that definition, it's a classic. Gloomhaven proved that people will wait, uh, pay a lot of money for a ridiculous Kickstarter, and do a campaign-style, D&D-style game. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it caused there to be more games similar to that. Wingspan, although very popular and an excellent family game, I just borrowed your copy of it and played it with my kids. It's a great game. I enjoy it. I actually enjoyed it more than what I recalled. What does Wingspan change? Nothing. What what, what has Wingspan uh, done for the industry? Well, in terms of actual production values and things of that nature, I mean, everybody knows people like shiny things. It, that, did it confirm people's love of bird eggs? Does it confirm people's loves of birds? Uh, it, it, just, it just took standard mechanics and made them more accessible and made it a very nice, very clean, family-style game that is actually a very decent game. I would hesitate to call Wingspan a classic simply because I don't know what is influenced in the industry. Given time, 
it may show that it did cause some great amount of influence somehow that I'm just not seeing right now. But yeah. but right now, I would not call it a classic. Okay, I would argue, and I, I feel like we're arguing against each other. We're all thinking somewhat this. I will say that after my thought, my other thought, <laughs> I think Wingspan is great for now because as Catan was to its generation, Wingspan might be to this generation and start a whole new entry class of gamers and that will take time and, to tell right 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 like i was saying but i'm but what i am saying and i was right <laughs> but what i am saying that you tend to diffuse no matter how you tried a classic is not called a classic unless people are calling it a classic it's that simple that's what i'm no. saying no if people No, it's it's literally comes down to the people, Jerry. No, if it doesn't. Nobody calls something a classic. Are you yourself going to declare that some book or movie or game that only you played and loved, Jerry Baker calls this book a classic? I never heard of it. Nobody else has ever heard of it. Therefore, it's only a classic to you. Classics are defined by the public, no, whether you like no, they're it or not. not no, yes, they're, they no they're not. They're defined by their influence. And you're mistaking the public's influence no. and no, the I public's disagree. opinion. And I I'll mean, give yes, you, I'll you give are you, correct I, I, in that point. But if no one else ever calls it that, I'll give you, then I, it's no, not a classic. No, no, no. no. You, you, you keep missing the point. You, you, you have to delete. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. There is a dichotomy <laughs> between the public and the industry. So here's a fine example in terms of movies, and I'll use a movie for which I have the utmost respect for and a one that you can't sit through, Blade Runner. That bombed. Cult classic. No, classic. Cult it, classic. No, you can look it up. It yes. Is, no. No, I'm telling you, it didn't become a classic until it came out on video. Nobody liked it. But it is a classic. Because of its influence, it bombed. It ha- it what it held that. It's cult. a classic to you. No, no, it's not. It is a classic. It is voted by the industry standards of one of the most, the most influential science fiction film of all time. And any director and writer, visual artist, soundtrack, everybody will argue that that film, although it bombed, although nobody watched it, it took. 15 years for it so to are you finally say become in 10 years if cry havoc suddenly becomes the game you're going to agree it's a classic yes even though so, it sucked no so in my opinion cry havoc didn't do anything but but what you're 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 setting up a straw man argument i'm saying is that <laughs> you're a straw man is that blade runner as of in the film what industry, does that even mean Setting up a straw man argument. It means you're setting up an argument that nobody's making, so you can knock it over easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm best you're at. I know you. Up for success in a conversation. For yeah. Well, who else can I beat except myself? <laughs> uh, well, you're beating the scarecrow to death. I'm saying <laughs> yeah, is is baby. that is that it, the industry, not people, decide what a classic is. You're just saying that if enough people call something a classic, then that's it's the case. That's not the case. A classic. Uh, you, you're not differentiating between popularity and actually industry standards. And so I, I think that's what we're going to have to realize is that we are all thinking of three different things. Yes. I would argue that Bubba actually had in his mind 
the definition of a literal literary classic. Literal? <laughs> of an actual classic of how right. that's defined by it being changing, by its influence on culture and the industry, not popularity, which was your definition of popularity. That's what I would say. Which is wrong. Because I, that, well, that would go to, I, I understand that. I understand, you understand that general, you're wrong. The mo- I, no, I, I understand that the mob mentality in general may be incorrect, but I, if you're going to go by movies, and I will back this, Citizen Kane is like often regarded as the classic movie, like the number one movie. I hate that movie. Okay. And the general public that watches that movie hates, hates that, that movie. movie. They'd rather go for Marvel Avengers right. than Citizen Kane. And again, you're not understanding. It's not the popularity of... I know. The video. It is the effect. But you can have a certain amount of people call this thing a classic, but the general populace will disagree. All right. I, you're, I, and, I think, and again, I think, I think Bubba, just straighten him out. He's not listening. I, no, I'll say. I'll just say straighten this. him out. Punch we, him, we, Bubba. Punch we, him. <laughs> if you take off, you don't use the literary example. Because here's the thing with. with um, I think popularity. with each industry, it's different. Well, no, you can't apply one industry to well, another. Well, no, no. I, I'll say this just, just for the human condition. We'll put it that way. Oh, is if you have going global. if you have uh if you have something I will use this example but don't don't think of it as an industry think of it as the the human condition Van Gogh probably one of the most popular we know Van Gogh even though none of us know art Bubba always got to be none like of us super know, smart about everything Yeah well none of us know art but we know Van Gogh's name but yet Van Gogh didn't sell any of his paintings I think he sold like one wasn't popular nobody cared about him in fact he didn't become his paintings didn't become classic until decades after he had already passed and they were already he died the broke. Yeah, he died Barely. broke. And he missing an ear. So so now and what happened is this is people started seeing this thing and they said, Oh, that's crap because it didn't match the standards of the time. And then they they recognized that the way he drew it was visionary. So they recognized the quality and the skill and recognized that he changed the way art was perceived. Now, here's the human condition. Now he became popular. So, so that's why popularity doesn't sometimes doesn't fit that can work in the opposite way you can take something that is super popular as our day and time represents it like let's say super popular twilight baby well, well i'll use even, which is I, not popular anymore well, I'll use, avengers no i'll use a, i'll use an even far back classic uh let's say that when it came out it was a classic two movies casablanca lonesome dove and yet in Absolutely. our day and time right now right now two movies no not no longer popular so why hey, Bubba, popularity change? Guess what? So popularity, guess what? Go ahead. I just watched Casablanca did, for the first time ever. Did you? Yeah, but you've always known that it existed, though, right? Oh yeah, of like course. Every quote from I was watching it, I was like, "This is still a really good movie." Yes. And then I was like, "Wow!" Like every line in that movie is like <laughs> iconic. It's iconic. People use it all. T- it's in other movies, so you know the movie even though you've never watched it. And here's the thing: you know Van Gogh when you see it, even if you don't know that that's what he does. When you see a picture that's blue with stars and a uh, and a and a sun on it, you know that's a Van Gogh. That's one of his most popular paintings. Uh, oh, I prefer Van Stock. Well, of course you do. I mean, it makes sense. So here's the thing about popularity: that's why it is a poor indicator of quality. Right, you are, and so that's why I pre- <laughs> that's why I don't pronounce pronounce it Van Kolf. Or Van Kolf. <laughs> yeah, because that's the closest to the Dutch pronunciation, actually. Uh, but that that's the point being, is that the time that it takes to realize something's worth, it's difficult to quantify. 
And by definition, as Gobby's going on about the industries and each, you can't judge the industry. We're not going by the industry. We're going by the strict definition of classic. A classic is something that exemplifies this item in its class. It, it exemplifies the quality of its class. And so when we think of anything that's of different mechanics or different styles of board games, does it exemplify its mechanics to such a degree that it is a classic. It shows it in such a way that people in the industry recognize that this is influential, not just regular standard people. And so arguing that the argument of popularity is, is moot. There's, there's no reason to argue because something is not popular. It's not a classic or something that is popular thus must be a classic. It, it boils down to, how does this thing affect its environment? How does it affect its industry? Does it cause waves? Does it make changes? Is it something that when people think of its particular style, is that what comes into mind? And just like how Van Gogh changed the art world, are there particular games that change the industry? And I would argue that, yes, there, there are. And that, to give other games chances... One simply needs to have an open mind and perhaps assign a time limit of saying, okay, look at this game and see exactly where we stand in this X amount of time to see if it affected the industry and thus it may be considered a classic. Like Castles of Burgundy, I would argue that even though my subjective opinion on it is that it is a classic, what did it change? What effect did it have on the industry? It was a popular game. But really, what mechanics did it carry over and what mechanics did people emulate, other designers, other companies? What really did Castles of Burgundy accomplish? And even though I think it's a classic... Dice assignment. Well, well, I'll, I'll, say, this, I'll say this one last thing because it, uh, and against this notion of popularity. A classic is does it make an influential change in something? Correct. Um, Hitler is a classic. He changed the way strongmen or weight dictators operate in a nation. He is a classic representation of something. In fact, people say this person to go to this country is very, you know, they, they, it's like he's like he's Hitler, Mussolini. There's a reason why they say that. So there, that's the reason. A lot of times we we refer to popularity. It is what people are like. Well, you can be popular and people dislike it. And so a classic is what changed it. And I'm not any in any way advocating, you know, Hitler and what he did. Uh, but he, he is, a, I just want to throw that Thank out there. Thank you for that. I want to throw that out there. But just on the, just on the definition of classic, he changed fundamentally how people take over countries. He fundamentally changed even people. And that's sad. Even people in Russia learned from Hitler. And that's sad that Russians learned from a, learned from a German. I mean, it's crazy because they've been doing it for a while. So, I mean, and that is a very broad statement, by the way, before I get into trouble, but, you just got to look at that definition of it. Uh, of anytime popularity comes into something, that, that that's that's problematic. But that's you got you again, got to stop me. watching that History Channel, man. That History Channel is on there. You know, History, History Channel, Channel one and two is my favorites. I can't, I can't. You talk to Bubba about anything. He's on there talking about the loose loose Fonza or something. He watches too much history. <laughs> I only watch Disney Plus. <laughs> oh, anyways, I think we've anyway, settled. Mandalorian is a classic. A, that's an argument. I'll be. I think with. we have settled the argument here of the I classic. So. 
And I think that Board we have game. all agree that I I I favor that Bubba was right. No, I, no, I do, no. I could be wrong. I, I favor Bubba's definition of classic more than mine. I think I'm thinking more of Hall of Fame. Uh, I, but I do believe that as a caveat, part of what I said regarding the time, it does take time <laughs> for a game. Part of what I said was right. Well, well, yeah, uh, no, uh, I'm uh, saying I'm uh, saying that uh, uh, per definition, well, if, I'm per. Yeah. I'm about to say if you look up it, now, you Googled classic during the course of this podcast just so you'd be right. Well, I think. Uh, well, to no, no. Point, a Hall of Fame is is when enough people recognize the um, degree of change that a board game created or any field, when enough people recognize it, then it becomes a Hall of Fame. Then popularity matters very much, by the way, because it becomes a oh, popular So we're thing. all right. So basically what you're saying is all right. All right, well, let's not do no, it I'm just, episode. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying the bedrock of the logic has to be something, but it incorporates as you build the house each everybody's point of view. It's I, just really what look, matters. I didn't look up much. I did look up Rock Hall of Fame inductees <laughs> and... I was pleased to hear that Whitney Houston was inducted in 2020. She wasn't. And apparently. Oh, if you had looked up Rock Holler of Fame, that would have been me. And uh, apparently <laughs> a, a group called the Notorious B.I.G. was also inducted. A, a, a group a group named that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. So Everybody should have known because it was Notorious. It was Notorious. <laughs> But how could they be Hall of Fame if they were notorious? It makes no sense. <laughs> because they, All right. Well, that's uh, that's going that's going to do it for this All episode. Right, thanks for having that me. Was a, that was a very well. Oh, Bubba's out. Bubba's out. No, no I'm good. Bubba, I'm, thanks I'm, for coming on. Thanks for having me. We appreciate I, you being here. Not a problem. My pleasure. Uh, so that uh, you provided a third and correct view <laughs> of the opinions discussed. Well, I, I, I'm looking forward to the opinions of people here and see what they say. I don't yeah, really care good. about what other people's opinions are. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care about popular opinion, obviously. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thanks for coming on, Bubba. Thanks for coming on, Jerry. As the foundation and cornerstone of this show, I'll uh, say that's going to do it. And until next time, I'm Gabby. Mm-hmm. That's Jerry. I'm Bubba. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy. 